This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is May 11th. This is episode 378, the second one in season nine, and the whole crew is here. Uh, my name is Dan Ellis, and I'm joined by two fabulous co-hosts. Uh, that would be Mr. Ryan Duffy. Are we sure it's not May 12th? Is it? Don't fuck with me like that. It's the 11th. No, it's the 11th. I was going to ask Taylor what day. What? Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, it's, it's still the 11th, still the 11th for another 45 minutes, <laughs> 40, 43 minutes anyway. Uh, and Mr. Taylor Grin, how are you, sir? Uh, ciao, va bene. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's start with you this week. What's been happening? You did not join us last week because of things and stuff that were going on. What are those goings on? Yeah. Uh, I was taking a transatlantic flight around the time you guys were recording the show last week. Um, I live in Italy now. What? So, yeah. What state is that um, in? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that Jersey. like, I think there's like a <laughs> Moscow, New York, right? Is there, is the Italy near there? Right. No. Um, so long story short, um, my job that I was working from home, um, like trying to think of how much detail I can get into that. Basically we found out that we were being laid off, that the army was, was liquidating our, our program that we were in. Um, and so I went to my boss and I was like, Hey, I have X, Y, Z kind of specialized skill set, And I know that I'm not doing that right now. So while you're looking for like cybersecurity jobs for all the rest of the crew members, can you look for this? Like, super specialized thing that I do and see if there's any positions like that in the company. I got a call back like a week later and this was like a month ago, right? Actually almost two months ago now. And uh, I got a call back about a week later. They were like, we really need somebody with your skill set overseas, like honestly, as soon as possible. So I started going through all the visa application stuff. That's why I was in Los Angeles and San Diego gosh, almost a month ago now was, uh, going into an embassy to get a work visa taken care of. Um, and, uh, that's why a couple of my very good friends in San Diego are watching my cat Corvo, um, because you can only travel internationally with one cat per person. Mm -hmm. So speaking of noises in the background, there's very little I can do to control avocado and my (laughs) hotel room is like, eight by 20 feet. So <laughs> Cat's cat. Words, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still looking for an apartment. So I got here like last week, like, like a week ago tomorrow, as of the time of this recording, um, still looking for an apartment, still looking for a car, like that whole thing. Me and the cat are living in a very small space, but yeah, no, I live in Italy now. Um, it's been kind of wild. Shush, you. <laughs> um, far fewer people. <laughs> Uh, speak English than I thought they would considering the large amount of, of Americans who live in the town that I'm in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been like just crash coursing really fast, especially on how to like order food um, <laughs> while I've been here. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Are you using what? what what technology are you using to help with that? Like, are you doing like a live translation, or are you just learning like Duolingo uh, stuff? I'm just brute forcing it. Um, yeah. So I I'm lucky in that I took um, medical anatomy and physiology and some Spanish when I was in high school and elementary school, respectively. So I've got a pretty good backing on like Latin in general, and then I taught myself a little bit of Italian when I was like in a military school and when I was going through the sort of like proto fashy phase that I need mm. to talk about someday in my background. <laughs> so um, I retained a surprisingly large amount of like the basic grammar. And so most of the time, if I need to know a noun or a verb, I can just like Google what that noun or verb is and like string together a recognizable sentence of some sort of request. Mm-hmm. And that's more or less what I've been doing that. And the people who work the couple of restaurants closest to my hotel have been very patient with me. And so they've been teaching me like a new phrase basically every time that I come in, um, well, which cool. has been really useful. I'm betting the fact that, you know, there's a couple of military bases over there that they, you're not the first one they've gone through this with. So they're probably learned to be very patient with mm-hmm. people coming and trying to learn their local language yeah. and cultures yeah. and trying to respect that and like, Hey, we'll give you time to learn it and mm-hmm. not be an asshole and, about it. Like we would be here in America. Yeah. And, and as tends to be the case from what I've heard with most people is that when you show an earnest and engaged effort to like learn the language, you know, if you're enthusiastic about it, they're enthusiastic about nice. it. Nice. Um, so I've been benefiting from that quite a bit as well. Um, and my pronunciation is good enough that like rarely do they look at me like, what the fuck did you just say? So a lot of the times I <laughs> What'd you call me? into Google Translate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be like, hey, you know, il mio italiano I pessimiso. And they'll be like, okay, his Italian is not good. And I'll be like, and I'll say something that I read off of Google Translate. And they'll be like, okay, I get you. And, you know, I'm like, I can't understand you if you talk back to me, but I can tell you what I need. <laughs> 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 We're going to have to play like 20 questions or something, but... Mm-hmm. We'll a lot of work. a lot of gesticulating and and moving around mm-hmm. and pointing mm-hmm. at things. Oh, dude, I had I had a couple of really helpful um, young kids. Like these kids must have been like fourteen, sixteen, somewhere in there. I was in the movie theater, uh-huh. and the movie theater in town um, plays like shh, stop that. <laughs> um, plays like one uh English language film per night and I wanted to see um Multiverse of Madness in English. Mm-hmm. Um and there was no English version of like a ticket ordering kiosk mm-hmm. that they had. <laughs> oh, so no. I was like, I don't know what the fuck this thing wants me to do. <laughs> these kids came by and were like, nope, here's this button, here's that, here's that, here's that. Like plug your card in now. Like, here's your ticket. I was like, oh cool. And like just, <laughs> you know, they just came over and helped like with no, you know, like prompting or anything. They were just cool and i was not expecting that so i've had nothing but a good experience so far that's awesome yeah i when i was at the american atheists convention i i mentioned to you when we weren't really talking about what was going on uh, with you and where you were going and all that uh, during the show but i mentioned to you that i that i uh chatted with phil ferguson for a while and told him that you were going to Italy and he's like oh yeah I, I love Italy of course 
you know, he, he talks about Italy a lot. He's studying Italian. He, he's pretty good at it. And, uh, he said one of the best things that he has done in order to help learn Italian a little better is watch like, uh, the home shopping club in Italian because oh. they, they use, they, use they slang. use, yeah, they use, they use a lot of adjectives mm-hmm. to describe whatever they're holding up. There are a lot of simple mm-hmm. nouns. Mm-hmm. They enunciate clearly because they want to make sure that everybody understands the name of the product and how they are describing it. They'll speak slowly. Yeah. He, he said it's okay. one of the best things ever because there's not much slang used because it's a, right, you know, right. semi professional setting. And yeah, he said it's, it's just great. And I thought, man, that's a great fucking tip. I would have never yeah, thought yeah. about that, but that's awesome. That's solid. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fancy. So you're digging Italy overall? Yeah, I'd say so far it's it's very different than like Germany, which I have a little bit more experience with. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of like I've had German friends. I spent a few weeks over there. You know, I spoke like five years of the language in high school, um, and like the culture is very different. Um, but like it's it it's not bad. Different. It's just different. Different. You know, I'm very much used to the like work hard, play hard of, of Germany, whereas the Italian is like work easy, play easy. <laughs> like it's very, you know, we'll get there. Relax. There. Yeah. Like you, you need to slow the fuck down. Um, so, you know, but uh, you know, you know what I've really enjoyed, um, is they tend to speak more slowly in Italy as well. Mm. Like I, I struggled learning Spanish when I was younger because people who speak Spanish just fucking machine gun phonemes out of their face, you know, <laughs> and an Italian, like some people do that, especially if they're excited, but a lot of people speak so, you know, methodically that like you can actually follow what the hell they're saying, which mm-hmm. is nice. <laughs> well, well, one thing I've, I've seen on all the travel shows about Italy, which I don't know how true it is, is eating dinner very, very late in the evening. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where it's like, I'm fucking starving. It doesn't open until seven Yeah, at night. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's and, one thing I've seen on those shows where it's like, Oh, we're going to go have dinner, but it's like nine o'clock at night and we're just starting to eat mm-hmm. dinner. It's like, I'm ready for bed at that time. <laughs> yeah. Like there's some people that I work with that work from like fairly early in the morning until fairly early in the afternoon. And I don't think I'm going to be one of those people. Like it seems to me like, except on the days when I have to interact with green suitors, that I'll be able to more or less set my schedule. And I think I'm going to set my schedule for like showing up to work at like nine or 10 in the morning. Um, so that I'm getting out and then able to be a night owl and not have to like kill myself waking up early in the morning. Yeah. 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 Cause you are eight hours ahead of us here in Utah. So I am. Yeah. It's, so yeah. it's, it's, uh, approaching midnight your time. It is. It is. I actually took a nap. Um, like I said, I'm yeah. jet lagged, so I haven't gotten more than like four hours of sleep at night since I got here. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm finally starting to like actually sleep through the night. Um, that doesn't help that we're going through a heat wave right now. There's an anti-cyclone coming up from Africa that's made it just oppressively hot. Um, but uh, yeah, so like I literally slept for like three hours, woke up, went out to eat and then came back here to do the show. By the way, holy shit. Um, Italy doesn't actually know what spicy is and it's really funny to me. <laughs> um, several times now I've been given a dish and they're like, no, be careful. This is spicy. And I've eaten it. And I've been like, where's the spice? 
Donde or Dove? <laughs> like, are, are they Utah spicy? Oh, dude, they're like New England spicy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Utah spicy is like mayo. Is ooh, does that have some yeah, lime yeah. in it or something? No. There's there's a bit of tang and zip in there that I'm not used to. I was. Oh yeah, no. I I went to a Mexican restaurant earlier today, and like it was so cute. Like, cause you know, like imagine, imagine the way that Americans treat like authentic Italian or like, you know, even more like a, like an Eastern European food, like the way that they would like talk about the food. That's the way that this menu was like, this is a traditional dish in Mexico and they use that. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> honey, <laughs> oh, I ate it. And like, it's good, but I could open a Mexican restaurant out here and make a killing. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, just with the recipes I have. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Tracy and I have talked about, you know, as we slide further and further into a fascist state here in the United <laughs> States of where we may relocate. And I'm like, well, you know, Taylor's in Italy. We got family in England and Denmark and friends in all over the place. You know, basically mm-hmm. we could throw a dart and find somebody that we know that could help yeah, set us yeah. up somewhere. And I would I would definitely recommend the EU over the UK now that Brexit has happened because mm-hmm. everyone I've spoken to they're like it is such a massive pain in the ass now. Mm-hmm. Oh so yeah, England is expensive as shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, we would yeah, it would we wouldn't go to the UK uh, in particular. Um, but she's like, well, and how would you feel about moving somewhere that didn't have good Mexican food? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe I'll have to do some scouting around ahead of time. And, you know, if that doesn't pan out, then maybe we could move somewhere and just open a good Mexican food restaurant because I've got a ton of great recipes. And let's do it. Yeah. Let's let's start a Mexican food restaurant. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, And I'm pretty ingrained in the the Department of Defense. So, I mean, there's jobs all over the world for us. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm a federal employee. I could Mm -hmm. I could move somewhere else fairly easily uh what's new with you mr duffy not a whole lot i mean uh i uh i just posted a picture of the project i'm working on right now i've got back into doing some segmented turning mm-hmm. on the lathe mm-hmm. and and the piece i'm making right now is actually turning out quite beautiful what is segmented turning so instead of turning a solid piece of wood mm-hmm. i cut the wood into pieces to make rings then i stack the rings on top of each other and then i turn it okay which saves wood so like the piece i'm doing right now is probably like what 200 and some odd pieces all oh, right. together so you're not taking something of of a uniform circumference or fairly uniform circumference and then whittling that down to really narrow parts and wider parts you can segment it so you're not wasting so much of that wood exactly it it, it uses less wood so even like this piece like i it sells like 50 dollars worth of wood uh-huh. but i'm able to cut it into uh, angled segments that I can turn into rings and I stack the rings on top. So the whole middle piece that is usually just wasted wood when you're turning a large piece mm-hmm. isn't there. There's no middle piece to turn out because you didn't make a middle chunk of it. So you save wood and are able to make a lot larger pieces. So you're not and they making me too. Yeah. So you're not making really expensive sawdust. Exactly. <laughs> Especially when right now the price of wood uh-huh. it is very expensive sawdust. Uh-huh. For sure. Or oh, oh, what else? Ah, uh, that's that's been about it. I mean, uh what? 
last week our 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 wildland firefighter training was kind of bullshit mm-hmm. kind because of bullshit. Uh, nothing nothing would burn but we also went out there and and did some uh in-depth looking at the different areas and cutting down some shrubs and stuff and realized that the uh did you use a herring no, I used a chainsaw. <laughs> I wish I could have used a herring. You must cut down the shrubbery with a herring. A herring. Yeah. But uh, the amount of tumbleweeds that have built up in different areas uh-huh. uh, is going to make wildland season very fun if we get some good fires this year because we got a lot of uh, dead trees uh-huh. that are collecting tumbleweeds between them up to six feet high. Oh, wow. Over my head. Yeah. And... Uh, Previous years, when we would get a tree that would catch fire, it would just be that one tree. Mm-hmm. We'd go, we would cut the tree down and under control. Now, all the trees are connected with webs of tumbleweeds that have blown and just filled in these areas. So it's going to get a lot worse and the fires will be a lot bigger. Mm. Because it won't stay to one tree. It'll spread with the tumbleweeds between the trees and uh, yeah, we can see a few areas where one lightning strike might cause the entire mountain to go up. Yeah, those tumbleweeds just turn into tumbling balls of fire. Well, not just that, but they're so impacted in these areas. Uh-huh. Like when we were raking them out, we were finding like, oh, these were tumbleweeds from last year uh-huh. and the year before. Uh-huh. We haven't had a good fire in about three years out there. So it's just nothing but impacted dead well, you know, Ryan, what you, what you need to do is get people out there with rakes and vacuums and clean oh, the forest floor. <laughs> you just no, need to so clean that up a lot better. That would solve all of your problems. What we're doing is we are taking some of these old juniper trees and we are limbing them up about three feet off the ground. So everything is about from, from the ground to about three feet up. Mm-hmm. Cut all the branches and everything off so the juniper can stay alive. Mm-hmm. but also give a flow path underneath the trees for tumbleweeds to actually flow through and not get caught in the trees. It's a good idea. So that's the effort we're going to through right now. And then the, the way the army works and everything works, you have a test area. You, you try this theory out in one area, but it's like you'll find the results in like five to 10 years, whether it's working or not. And then it's going to be like, well, Everything else we didn't do this to is fucking burned to the ground anyway, so. hmm Yeah. Well, fun. <clears throat> um, I have just been, I told you guys before we started recording that every time I think that I'm as busy as I could possibly get, I get even more shit thrown at me, more things to do. Um, I told you guys that we would have to make this a fairly tight recording because I'm planning around a bunch of different things. That would be that Tracy is currently at the dentist getting a crown put on apparently uh, she's she's got an old filling that ended up cracking and then cracked her tooth as well so they're doing an in-office crown for her today and i've also been uh upgrading and redoing my office upstairs so i got a new desk and some new monitors and had to take the old desk all apart, move everything out of there. It was, it was good because I hadn't, I haven't like moved everything out of my office since we moved into the house nearly eight years ago. So got to de-junk and declutter a bunch of stuff, took that old desk apart, gave that to Danica and she's enjoying it very much. Got a new desk that is longer and uh, deeper 
on the surface as well. I got some new monitors and new monitor stands that I've been putting together, doing some cable management. I've got a, I, I, the initial monitor setup that I have for my work stuff isn't working out exactly how I wanted. I want a more simplistic thing because I don't plan on moving the monitors. So mm-hmm. I've got a new monitor stand arriving tomorrow that I'll be replacing what I have in there now with. And I have one of the things I needed to coordinate is that I ordered some new drawers uh, from Ikea that I will be going to pick up <laughs> when we're done recording that I'll have to assemble tonight. Uh, yard work, regular work. I'm, I'm transitioning some of my duties to a new person who was brought on. And of course, that means that on top of everything that I have been doing, I'm also now training this person and I'm also transitioning into a new position, uh, doing project management for five different projects. And so that's been a lot. And on top of that, my boss asked me to, uh, take on managing basically being a program manager for the division. So taking on and accounting for all of the various projects within the division. So I'll have my own projects that I'll be working on. I'll be the program manager for a bunch of other projects, transitioning duties to somebody else, learning new things all while I'm doing all of the things that I have been doing. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. <clears throat> this is why you don't excel at your job, Dan. <laughs> well, it's like I do I do so well at my job that they're like, "Oh, well, hey, like, let's give him some too. more stuff to do." He's he's handling all of this just for fine. Good work is more work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's We're not going to We're not going to pay you for it, but we'll give you more to do. He's putting in, you know, 60 hours a week, but he's getting the stuff done, which is good. A lot of it has gone undone for so long. I, the 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 most frustrating thing to me about all of this is that I get something stood up to where it starts running pretty efficiently and there's more things that I want to do to to streamline it and get it running really really smoothly and so that anybody can transition into and out of that position really easily where I've got all of the documentation laid out I've got it all organized it's all available and shareable and easily accessed by everybody it's all synchronized and coordinated and we're tracking all of the changes everywhere and then as soon as I you know as soon as I get something up to the point where I want to go back through and start fixing a lot of the documentation, you know, basically perfecting it. They, they pull me off and have me go somewhere else. And so it's like, Oh, but I was so close to realizing like the full potential of what this thing could be. And you've taken it away from me now. Um, but I'm, I mean, not to toot my own horn, I'm doing a really good job at all of the things that I'm doing. And they're, all very impressed. Um, there's there's a thing that I did today that may turn into something very exciting and very big. That uh, before we started recording, and and Taylor, you mentioned, well, yeah, I didn't really say anything because it's like, oh, I might do this, and it might turn out, or it could just all be a bust. And <laughs> that's kind of like the thing that I did today. Uh, so maybe within a week or two, uh, I would have some. Very big, very exciting news. Uh, and until then, I'll leave the audience in suspense, and I'll tell you guys when we take a little break. Ooh, are you going to head up the Treasury Department? 
Uh, not quite that big. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping to be like, Ryan, no more taxes for you. Blessed. Yeah. <laughs> you may have a pass now. Omnibum, <laughs> uh, but, uh, we have a lot, we have things to talk about, uh, that we'll do on the other side of this little break. Oh, we're going to get ranty. Neato. Alex Jones, unfortunately has the IQ of a 10 year old. Uh, well, how can you drive an RV? This is Dr. Dan, Matt's boss from the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Oh, shit, did I say rev- I mean revolution. Bloody Americans fucking up the language. You can edit that, right, Spike? Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. So the world's still fucked. Still, that, yeah. Let, let you know. Last friend. week, that let, is. You know, you know how we, me, me and you talked, Dan, last week about uh, the possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned, and uh-huh. how, how 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 bad that actually would be, mm-hmm. going through some of the the, the data that is provided. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this: Taylor brought up this subject for this week. And I was like, ah, you don't want to go too overboard. Like, that sounds too crazy. Like, let's kind of keep it like, like low. And that's the opposite of me usually. Usually I'm the one that's going worst case fucking scenario. <laughs> and then Taylor was like, no, look at this. I'm like, oh shit. Motherfucker made me look at it. Worst case scenario. And then I see states already trying to look at banning contraception and outlawing Roe versus Wade as basically being a federal statute. So it'd be banned in every state and not giving the state mm-hmm. the right. So mm-hmm. the world's I fucked. I don't even need that to happen for my worst case scenario to occur. You don't. You don't no. need that to happen. That so, happening would only make your worst case scenario even fucking worse. Mm-hmm. So what's your worst case scenario, Taylor? Let's 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 just get into this. Dan, you look like you have something to say first. Oh, well, I was just going to say, you know, I I usually will track what's going on in the news and kind of play out scenarios and events in my mind about, okay, well, if this happens and then 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 the universe ends kind of thing. Right. And then I'll, and then I'll roll that back to, okay, well this probably won't happen and this probably won't happen and this may or may not. And and just, I kind of play with a bunch of things in my head and mm-hmm. my default is a more uh, rosy outlook on more, a lot of the optimistic. things that are going on. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 so was mine. And then I deliberately told you and Matt that January 6th wasn't going to happen. <laughs> happen so. I, yeah. Well, so I would say, you know, I'm, I'm generally a pragmatic optimist as far as things go. And that's that over the last six years has been eroded to where I'm more of a pragmatic pessimist these days. Oh, yeah because I'm, I'm very oh sorry oh well and i was just gonna say because i've mentioned in previous episodes that the more we learn about the trump administration and the people that supported him propped him up and want to see him continue and win another election it always always has turned out to be worse than anything we had initially known about it and it's getting more dark and grim all the fucking time so, and, and the, the problem with my 
hypothesis with my you know potential worst case scenario track is that it doesn't depend on any particular personalities doing anything wild. It just depends on like a certain number of states enacting the policies they've already said that they're going to enact. So these are purely like mechanical motions that will play like like playing chess and knowing that with a certain opening, you'll get a response and then several moves will start to occur. Mm-hmm. So Roe v. Wade, like I, I'm not going to say the possibility of Roe v. Wade going away. You need to understand that if you live in a red state, Roe v. Wade is effectively gone as soon as the Supreme Court announces their decision. That because more. like, yeah, subsequent leaks have come out and it's going to be at least five, four, right? So you, you need to accept that. Like there is no possibly it's going to happen. You need to act as though it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause unless like a couple conservative justices have natural causes, you know, nothing's changing with that. Um, that's, that's why Trump was elected. That's why he appointed, you know, two evangelicals and one quote fingers originalist. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's play that out. Right. By, with the Dobbs decision, um, Casey and Roe will both go away. Um, functionally, the uh, the Ninth and Fourteenth Amendments, which um, shit, there's a legal term uh, for that. Um, I can't well, think of it. Uh, it was um, it, it was basically the Thomas right to Smith, privacy. You, oh, 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 well, no. So, so the Ninth and the Fourteenth um, and subsequent case law have created what's called a penumbra of law that establishes a right that isn't explicitly listed in the constitution. Yes. And uh, the constitution, um, you know, the ninth amendment specifically calls out um, like that rights that aren't firmly established in the constitution are still, you know, held to the States because the founders knew that they couldn't list out every single right that a person could have. So they wanted to be permissive rather than you know restrictive. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, with the repeal of Roe and Casey, the the um, right to privacy, which is not the same thing as like you know people not being able to listen to your phone calls. It's the right to make private decisions, including those about what kind of sex you have, who you marry, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, will functionally go away. Now states like Louisiana. And uh, I want to say Kentucky have already started floating laws that would prohibit things like IUDs, conception. Um, I've seen talk about making condoms go back to being something that a married couple has to get a prescription for. Um, And like when I say people are talking about, I don't mean like Fox News heads are talking about. I mean, Louisiana has already um, had legislators publish a you know a bill not a not a um resolution a bill that has force of law that would redefine life as beginning at conception which would Mm -hmm. mean the plan b pill would be murder right under their law so let's presume that of the 25 states that want to ban abortion one of those states passes a law like that let's say louisiana does it well okay cool put a pen in that Kentucky, not Kentucky, Connecticut, um, has passed a law or is about to pass a law that protects abortion. And not only that, it explicitly calls out um, laws like Texas's law that enables citizens 
to, um, uh, you know, basically claim bounties on people who get abortion services in and out of Texas as a way of distributing the enforcement of that law to, you know, not the state doing it, but instead, um, you know, private citizens using money to enforce an abortion restriction. Connecticut has passed a law that would basically make that unenforceable in Connecticut, right? So if somebody from Texas went to Connecticut, got an abortion and went back to Texas and Texas tried, you know, somebody in Texas tried to sue somebody in Connecticut, um, Connecticut would say, no, absolutely not. We won't accept that, right? Um, And furthermore, they've also enshrined abortion as a right within, uh, you know, their state. So here's where that shit starts to get wild, right? Let's look at the conflict of those kinds of laws. Um, Mississippi calls abortion murder, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody gets an abortion and they flee to a state like Connecticut or say California, right? Mississippi attempts to, you know, charge that person with murder, goes through a court case, tries them and as absentia finds them guilty of murder or, you know, doesn't even get that far. They basically say, Hey, you know, we want to extradite you. Well, murder, because it's a felony, is something that basically triggers like interstate agreements and requires that that state extradite an individual. It's the same reason why people have said, you know, whether or not DeSantis would extradite Trump if he was charged in New York, right, for some sort of felony. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's say a state like Connecticut or California tells Mississippi to go pound sand. Well, then what? Right. So now you get into a federal situation. Uh, Now we get into what was called the nullification crisis, right? Back in 1828, the North, senators from the North um, made some new laws on tariffs, trying to increase profits, and it damaged the South Carolina um, economy to the point where they passed a law that basically said they can choose, you know, pick and choose what federal laws they choose to respect. Mm -hmm. And uh, Andrew Jackson, Trump's favorite president, did not like that too much. And so he threatened to send the National Guard into South Carolina to enforce the uh, the tariff of 1828. And then they passed like a kind of shittier one in 1833 that was like a, hey, everyone, let's cool down before a civil war happens, right? Mm-hmm. So same thing, you know, we will end up having a nullification crisis when a state passes something that is a murder charge and another state elects not to extradite one of their citizens to that state that will escalate to the federal level, at which point it entirely depends on whether or not there is a Republican or a Democrat president, right? Um, If there's a Democratic president, they're going to send it to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of the anti-abortion state Right. We know that they will rule in favor of the anti-abortion state. At that point, does California say go pound sand? Right. Uh, Supreme Court, you've made your judgment. Now let's see you enforce it. Mm -hmm. What happens then? Bunch of people with guns travel to California to round somebody up. Yep. And California says, oh, no, you don't. Yeah. What happens when California says, um, okay, neat, cool. Um, our economy is the sixth best in the world. If we were considered our own country, 
So given that we are in net positive and paying federal taxes and a whole bunch of red states are net negatives in federal taxes, um, we're going to set up an economic blockade and stop paying federal taxes. You know, okay, cool. An army marches in. What happens when the entire Northeast states form a compact and say, yeah, I mean, you can try and take down our economy, but you'll be cutting off your nose to spite your face, right? We've got the two, you know, two out of the three strongest economy states in the nation. Uh, you know, we'll form a compact with the other blue states and not pay federal taxes until you let us enforce our state law. What's that look like under a President DeSantis? Well, and I wonder how much of this would play out, you know, setting aside a bunch of dummies with guns traveling to another state to do things. I wonder how much mm -hmm. of this would initially play out in a, in a court, you know, how, how much, right. I mean, our legal system will either save us or damn us <laughs> basically. Right. And, well, and, and not to is interrupt, the court, is like the court, the court has slow. neither the power of the purse nor of the truncheon. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the Supreme court can in fact pass a judgment. They cannot enforce it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it is well within the power of a state pushed too far to simply say, fuck you, we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, we will pragmatically speaking, cease to be a single country. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that will have meant that federalism has failed um, because our federal form of government is contingent upon mutual assent. Mm -hmm. Right. And as soon as one of the three branches of, go of government is deemed to be, you know, no longer legitimate, we're not functionally a federalist country anymore. We are a union of 50 states. Mm -hmm. And the only way that we would, you know, reunite that way is through force of arms. The, the one thing I, I wonder, though. So Mississippi makes it illegal for you to have an abortion. It's a federal, they make it a, a, a crime. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's murder. But if you leave Mississippi to go to a state where it's legal, get that done, then come back to Mississippi. Unless they're specifically tracking you mm -hmm. and the medical procedures you're having, how do they know? Well, Unless so that, they're defying constitutional right to your privacy. So I, I do want to get into that, actually, because you've reminded me of something. Um, any listeners, you know, you and tell your friends, if you are using any sort of period tracker, stop right now. Yeah. Um, you know, because you are giving them third party laws work. Yeah. Given the fact that that those signals are riding over somebody else's servers, you lose your right to privacy mm -hmm. with regards to that medical information. HIPAA doesn't count anymore. Nope. If you don't think that somebody like Peter Thiel, who runs Palantir, isn't going to find a way to um, create a multi-int apparatus to track somebody's you know period behavior and travel to correlate that into, hey, this person's period was two weeks late and then they traveled to a blue state where abortion is legal. Right. Which, which is you're, also you're why out of your mind. I saw one one thing. It was a kind of like a, a, a bit of a meme someone put out there saying, hey, I enjoy camping. If you too also enjoy camping and are looking for a friend to go camping with in New York City, let me know. I have no problem traveling with you to go camping in New York City and I won't tell anybody what happens on our camping trip. Yeah, but here, like the thing but, is, 
That's what yeah, that's what's gonna have to go to is you you're gonna have to do shit in like secret. But a, a woman in Texas was almost charged with um like I think manslaughter it was they for have, a miscarriage, right? It's they happened. dropped the charges. Okay. Um, in in El Salvador, I read a news report earlier today, a woman in El Salvador um has been charged with aggressive murder, which is a murder charge that they have. Mm-hmm. Because she had a some sort of a, a, a life-saving surgery necessary. Um, I think the article kind of hinted that it was an ectopic pres- uh, pregnancy, but they didn't really explicitly say what Which it was. Ectopic, but it yeah, yeah, it, it resulted in the abortion of the fetus. Well, it's either and, you, in that case you're either getting an abortion or you're going to die. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Those are the Precisely. only two outcomes. And and they've now sentenced her with 30 years in prison. Yeah. If you don't think that Mississippi won't do something like that, you're insane. So like my my thing is this, right? Uh, dear listener, um you need to move out of a red state, right? If you are a woman who can get pregnant, you need to lo- leave your red state. Like I'm I I previously I would have said, "Hey, we need liberals in red states to try and to balance fight. out the voting." If you are a person at risk of this kind of stuff, you need to go. Like, I need you to understand that this is this is 1933 kind of shit. Um, and you need to get while the getting's good. But but there's 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 the problem though. Is it's the same thing that's been going on the whole time with uh, abortion before even before Roe Ro versus Wade. Mm-hmm. Is the most people in this country can't afford just to leave the state they're in to go to a state where they might be able to afford this if it comes time to do that. that they need to like leave for an abortion. I'm saying that like you need to do everything you can to get to a blue state in the next two years because I am saying that I think that the odds of at least a cold civil war are greater than 50%. Well, I mean, and even so you want to try and be in safe territory because even before. Like when we were talking about it last week, because there were there were before Roe versus Wade, there were three states in the United States that allowed legal abortion: Hawaii, Alaska, and uh, New York State. Mm-hmm. And New York State was the only one that allowed you to get an abortion without having citizenship in that state for thirty days. Mm-hmm. But still, it's the uh, it's what it costs to actually move to one of those places. Most people can't afford to actually do that. Oh no. No, and like it's it's not going to be easy. But what I'm no. saying is, is that like if at all humanly possible, get the fuck out. Like you don't want to be a late comer to the refugee game, right? Yeah, well, and that's and like I'm. That's what we're talking about. Our our political refugees. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and like I'm I'm not fucking around. I'm not being coy. I'm not being cute. I'm not you know being hyperbolic. Like no, I'm telling you that I think. And, and I'm not the only one, right? Robert Reich published an article today saying that we are already in a civil war, right? And and I am inclined to agree, right? In terms of the legal differences between red and blue America right now, if we look at the like so-called culture war, which is really just Christian nationalist fascists trying to oppose theocracy, mm-hmm. um, we are in a cold civil war now, right? Like if, if you want to call it, you know, January 6th were the opening shots, uh, but really Project Blitz was the beginning of that, mm-hmm. right? And and it is accelerating, right? It is not, um, 
it's not going to get better, right? We we are not in a good position to to keep the Senate after these votes. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry gerrymandering is so bad that a significant uh, plurality of states are tidally locked with you know potentially all three houses being Republican mm-hmm. controlled, especially in Red America. They're almost to the point where they can call a constitutional convention. If conservatives can call a constitutional convention, America ceases to exist as you know it. We will be Gilead. Period. We're not going to have Pepsi with baby flavoring in it. I mean, what the hell have we become? Hi, I'm Lucian Greaves, spokesperson and co-founder of the Satanic Temple. Check out my website, grayfaction.org, if you want to be disgusted and alarmed. You're listening to Godless Revolution. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! This isn't... You're this making isn't, me feel good. <laughs> this I, isn't I mean, a happy show. Like... <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not like I'm I'm trying very hard to show my work that I'm not just being hyperbolic I'm not being yeah. Robert Evans right I'm I'm saying the legalistic differences um and intent to enforce those differences between red and blue America makes us in a functional cold civil war whether or not that gets hot entirely depends on whether or not Democrats keep the Senate and who wins the presidential campaign in two years. How long would you say that we have been in a cold civil war? And maybe we should, maybe we should make a distinction or, or explain the difference between a cold war and a hot war. Yeah. So, so a hot war obviously is like what's going on in Ukraine, right? Yeah. Right. People are, there are divisions between sides Right. Like you, you pretty clearly know whose side is who and people are shooting guns at each other. Right. Mm -hmm. A cold war is where two or more entities are in conflict with each other um, and will cause real physical damage, but do so through means that either have like plausible deniability or a couple of degrees of separation. Quasi legal. Um, Yeah, exactly. And they, they do so in a way as to not, escalate a situation into a shooting war, but they'll go right up until that point. Um, If your question is, when did we start being in a cold civil war? I would probably say when Mitch McConnell refused to seat Merrick Garland. Mm. Yeah. You think? Um, Yeah, Dan, that's a good point as well. Well, I mean, yes and no, because there's a real... So, so Dan, you typed out, you know, that there are domestic terrorist attacks. And and I know that you're referring to like, you know, what the militia groups and proud boys and three percenters and that kind of thing are getting at. Um, I would fall back on people like Timothy Snyder, um, who would say that it's not quite the same because as of yet, um, there is no functional collaboration between like say the proud boys and police. Now I want to be careful because there are absolutely captured on recording situations where like in the Portland riots, when the police would like, you know, put a hand to the side of their mouth and tell the proud boys, Hey, get out of here. We're going to start arresting people in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's different from 
collaboration. That's not the cops sending the Proud Boys out to like rough Start someone shit. up, right? Like, like omission is different from commission, and we're right on the knife's edge there. But I would not say that we are yet at that. Like, you know, uh, Timothy Snyder wrote that book, um, the the twenty um, on twenty things of tyranny on tyranny twenty lessons, whatever it was. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm jet lagged. Um, and one of them was about the collaboration between paramilitary groups and the actual law enforcement and military. Um, and we're just not quite there yet. But I would say in terms of the cold civil war, I believe that it started when the rule of law was absconded um, with regards to the president's right to appoint a Supreme mm-hmm. Court justice which with Mitch McConnell's obstruction. There was other obstruction up until that point. Um, you know, where basically other federal benches were denied being filled. Like some 200 um, odd benches that yeah. were denied. And and that's bad, but it's not the same thing as a Supreme Court justice where the president yeah. is, is given the explicit right and duty to fill those slots um, with the advice and consent of Senate. And they denied him advice or, you know, consent or dissent, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Which, which is funny because I remember when I... I, I did the whole email train to uh, the Utah state Republicans mm-hmm. saying, hey, you denied Obama's pick. Why are you allowing Trump's? And the response was, oh, we considered him. We went through him like, don't fucking lie. You didn't even right. give him a chance to have consideration. Yeah, they're they're not going to, there's, there's you, no concern you, from you, them you, about lying and or consistency. Yeah, and 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 more than that, actually, thank you for bringing that up. You've reminded me. I had a note here for something I want to say. I know that I've harped on the Sark quote, you know, and, and Frank Willahoyt's, you know, um, conservatism consists of exactly one rule. There's an in-group that needs to be um, protected by the law and not bound by it, and an out-group that needs to be bound by the law but not protected by it, right? And that's something mm-hmm. to keep in mind, right? There will come a point in your life, if you live in a red state, where the law will bind you, but not protect you. And that like, at that point, throw what you can in the car and drive, right? At that point, it doesn't matter whether or not you can afford to leave. It matters whether or not you can afford to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I did want to get into something. I've been seeing a lot of posts of people saying, you know, oh, you know, how can Christians be against abortion when God killed his son, you know, and he was 33 and shit yeah. like that. Right? Start quote. And like, that's, that, that, that's funny. Right. But, but here's the problem. Um, you know, there's been this meme going around for a while, well, for the last week or so where people point out things like, Oh, it's God's plan or it was meant to happen or whatever. And, and that those are called thought terminating cliches, right? They're, they're things that people say that makes them, stop thinking any further about an issue and its consequences. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I don't know that there's a name for this formally. um, But, but I am going to point out there is such a thing as action terminating thoughts, right. Or action terminating statements. Mm -hmm. And I know that every single person listening to this has experienced it before where you have this cool thing that you're working on and you tell people that you're working on it and you get a dopamine boost because you tell people you're working on it. And then you turn around and you're less motivated to actually keep working on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, when you make these posts that are like these nice, you know, Aaron Sorkin gotcha. quips, 
now you think you've done something to help and you've done nothing to help, right? You're, you're preaching to the choir for the liberals who read it. The conservatives do not give a shit. No one will have changed their minds. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, you need to stop with the quips. And it's not because you don't need to express yourself, right? But I'm telling you that that by performing that kind of expression, you are sapping your own will to actually get shit done. Those dopamine boosts you get from posting those kinds of messages are robbing you of the like literal neurochemical motivation to get actually useful shit done. And, and the other thing I want to say, and I'm going to catch flack for this, <laughs> um, is that uh, we need to stop telling allies not to be allies. I was in a internet thread where somebody said like, no men need to be talking about abortion right now. And like, absolutely not. That's wrong. Right. Like we are at a point where it's all hands on deck. And mm-hmm. I understand that like, it's important to have women's voices and black voices and trans voices and everyone's voices. Right. And that like white men have had too much to say for too long. However, but we are all hands on deck right now. And if someone is an ally and if somebody is willing to help, you need to get the fuck out of their way so that they can help. Mm-hmm. Um, Allow them Eli, to spend Eli some Bosnick. of that. Oh, allow, I was just going to say, allow those white people, those white cis men to spend some of that privilege in your defense if they're willing to do so. Exactly. That was um, uh, Mandisa Thomas, right? Yeah. Who said that? Yeah. And um, gosh, I'm trying to find this, this post by Eli Bosnick and I can't find it. So I'm just going to paraphrase him. But he said there, one of the things that's going to kill the left is that there are people who don't care how much work you've done in activism as long as what you say disagrees with something they believe in. And also, they don't care how little activism you've done if you say something that does agree with them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who say really performative shit, but they don't get their hands in the mud and do work. Mm-hmm. And like I'm telling you, listener, you need to get your hands in the mud and do work. Talk doesn't matter anymore. Action does. Mm-hmm. Sorry for preaching. No, like I, no, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last week and, and I know I've talked on the show about it a few times, you know, this idea of, of, um, diplomats and firebrands. And I think that one of the things that we need right now is also what I'll call a third grouping is ambassadors, right? There are women right now who tend to vote Republican, but might privately vote Democrat because they're concerned about losing their right to contraceptions and abortions. But if you use language like uterus havers instead of abortion, that will not be persuasive to them. You're right. We should use more inclusive language like uterus havers instead of women because more than just cis women have abortions. But you have to keep in mind there's a difference between being right and being persuasive. So if somebody is trying to be persuasive and you are like biting at their ankles for them to like to police their language, you need to fucking stop because right now it's about persuading people to take action, not about who can demonstrate, you know, the most activism. We're not there right now. We, we can, we can have the circular firing squad when we win. I I would even go to say that if you want to get people, if you want to be that, that onboarder, Mm-hmm. Even right now, the way some of the Republicans are considering it, in vitro fertilization would be illegal. Yeah, yeah, yep. And that is something that no matter what what side, of the, if you're 
Christian, gay, lesbian, no matter where you fall in this cycle, that is something you would like to have as the possibility for you to be able to have a child. Mm-hmm. And, and they're and- looking at stripping that from you possibly, possibly because if they, de- if they deem a egg with a sperm implanted as the beginning of life, and mm-hmm. it, yeah. during IVF, if they need to do five of those and only one makes it through to be implanted, yep. Yep. well, that's causing an abortion right there. Mm-hmm. That there is yeah. fucking illegal if they go, you know, all straight black and white. Mm-hmm. And vitro fertilization would be considered illegal. And and I want to, I want to caveat the thing that I just said um, before somebody blasts me online and basically calls me the same thing as JK Rowling or some shit, <laughs> is that... Um, I am not saying that like any individual person needs to stop talking a certain way, right? The language that already surrounds diplomats and firebrands is that diplomats do their job and firebrands do their job. And neither of them tries to make, you know, diplomat doesn't try to make firebrands into diplomats. They let firebrands do their damn job, right? And vice versa. And what I am saying is that we need right now a third category, which I'm calling ambassadors. And firebrands and diplomats need to let ambassadors do their damn job, which may mean using conservative language to persuade middle of the road people to go to the left a little bit right now in order to fight the right. And if somebody is doing that online and you don't agree with the language that they're using or the types of appeals that they're making, like go reread, um, you know, some of your Jonathan hate, right? Uh, uh, what's what's his book? The um, The Moral Foundation Theory, right? People have certain moral foundations which appeal to them. And if you appeal to them on the basis of moral values that they don't share, not only does it not persuade them, it actively persuades them against you. So get the fuck out of the way of somebody who is using the correct moral language to appeal to people that you just don't appeal to. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. You keep doing you. Let ambassadors do them. You do you, boo. And with that, we have run out of time. This is all stuff that we all need to think about much more in depth and I'm sure we'll talk about more in coming episodes. It's not a fun thing to have to talk about. I mean, it's interesting. It's fun to talk about interesting things, but (laughs) no, 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 don't, don't be sorry at all. As all I I made the the preface right at the beginning. This is going to be a ranty episode. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. There's a lot going on, a lot we need to think about, a lot we need to keep in mind. Um, a lot, the people just need to do some, some heavy thinking about for sure. Um, I, I think it was Finland. Um, very short aside for my Rachel Maddow moment. I think it was Finland, but I could be wrong. It could have been like one of the other Scandinavian countries, but when, when fascism was rolling over Europe before Germany started throwing tanks everywhere. Um, I want to say it was Finland. It might've been Sweden where, um, there was a fascist movement in that country as well. And when they saw Norway go to a pro-fascist government, um, this country said, oh shit, we don't want that to happen. So the left, the center right, and even like the, the like not quite far right, all campaigned together in parliament, right? They formed a coalition that otherwise you wouldn't have thought would form in order to prevent the fascists from being able to head a coalition government. And these people did not agree in terms of policy or even some values, but they agreed that, you know, not fascism was better than fascism. And 
I think Thomas Smith is right. I think that America is not as far left as we want to think that it is. And if that's the case, we need to be willing to reach across the aisle to people who are not as progressive as we are, if it means preventing fascism. And like, that's not me capitulating. That's not me sacrificing values. It's me being pragmatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not requiring purity tests. Like the, the alternative to fascism is status quo, but the status quo is a whole fucking lot better than fascism. I got to tell you that I, I I get really frustrated when by, by all of the people who are ostensibly on the left, who, who their, their main goal in life these days is to shit on Democrats as a whole, to shit on the DNC, Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, democratic party governor, like anywhere and everywhere that they see a Democrat fucking up, they'll shit on them rather than criticizing people who are much farther away from aligning with them ideologically. And they're not doing anybody any fucking good by doing that at all right now. Democrats may be neoliberals who continue to fund Raytheon, you know, blowing up trucks and and (laughs) weddings and funerals and shit in the Middle East. Okay, sure. Fine. You know what? They're not fascists. Yeah. Right. Like period. Yeah. Yeah. That will wrap things up for us tonight though. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be two skeptical chaps. A noble spirit embiggens the smallest man, a perfectly cromulent statement. Alan Firth. All hail, Peanut Buttra. Doug Willoughby. Hunter Grin. Is it just me, or are these patrons amazing? John McCullough is amazing for sure. Oh, wait. My list is different than yours. Where are we at? Ollie Olson. Aldi Olson. <laughs> Schneid Duffy. Uh, now I'm confused. Oh, Steve Kuno. Uh, Stephen Andrews. I'm fucking this all up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ted Sellen. <laughs> Tiffany Hudson. Vanessa. Gary Ebert. <laughs> Close. Gary? No, Corey Ebert. <laughs> Sorry, that text is really small. <laughs> I'll make it. I'll make it a little bigger. <laughs> My bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't be a Richard. Free thinker two one five. Good news, everyone. Jeremy Goodson. Jonathan. Makins Peterson. Marvin Draken. Matthew Sanders. Megan Mitchell. Not a fucking gymnast. The next patron is an updog. Utah Outcasts, Updogs. Wesley Aaron. Zeus 9SO. Janet Uter. Purple Dragon. Uh, Sarah Segovia. Savid Acuna. Socialized Healthcare Saved My Life. Oh, that's me, Tim Jacobson. Jesus Christ. James. <laughs> and Rick and Morty want you to please support the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Wubble a dub dub. <laughs> uh, you would think I'm the one that's tired with this, wouldn't you? It should be Taylor. Uh, well, and I, I have I have shit to do, so I haven't even had any whiskey. <laughs> I have, and I gotta mow the gotta go mow the lawn. I gotta go mow the lawn now. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. <laughs>
shadow has long since uh, worn off. So be, <laughs> be careful, Ryan. Good to see you guys. Uh, I have. Oh, yeah. I got to go do stuff. Uh, love you. Take care. We'll chat with you next week. All right. Ciao.